Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is sponsored by Hero Power. Support clean energy at no extra cost. Go to MyHeroPower.com and in less than two minutes, Get Green E certified renewable energy certificates. They'll match 100% of your electricity use. Never pay more than ComEd rate. Your bill doesn't change. Your service doesn't change. Plus, get $25 off your first bill just for helping us fight climate change. Go to MyHeroPower.com. MyHeroPower.com. What's going on? Life? Wait, let's do some pre-show prep for the uh, listeners so they can see what it's really like. Okay. D, what's the name of that state rep who filed, uh, joined the suit? Uh, C- Cabello. There we go. That's called pre-show prep, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so later when the show goes on, I go, Dennis, a state representative Cabello, perhaps you've heard of him. He's from Winnebago County. Did you know he was from Winnebago County? I had it in my, uh, my news, my notes. I'll tell you what, this kid, ladies and gentlemen, this young man, he does pre-show prep. <laughs> Your Ben Jarofsky Show for Wednesday, April 29th is just moments away. But before we do this, we got to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, and not Aerosmith. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Hey, unions, thanks. You guys are nice. Keep sponsoring us. It's great. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Ben Jarofsky, I'm worried these days, you know, because yesterday uh, you did a song of the day that you've done already. I'm worried that you're out of songs of the day. Uh, First of all, that's not technically correct. As I pointed out to you yesterday, uh, the version of Say a Little Prayer for You that I did yesterday was the Dionne Warwick hmm. version. And previously, I'd done the Aretha Franklin version. Okay? It's funny because they both sounded like <laughs> Ben horribly singing. Well, okay. I, I didn't say you could distinguish one from the other by my rendition. I'm just saying that's what I was doing. Now, to prove that you're wrong, I will now sing two songs of the day. All right? How about that? Huh? Hopefully, uh, they're uh, ones we've never heard. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to do a little Stones. Uh, my wife has uh, been working on this song. She plays the guitar. Go running for the shelter of my mother's little helper. That's a guitar. Great guitar riff. It's funny. Every song <laughs> I've noticed, maybe, you know, maybe you've helped me realize this, but every song after they sing, it goes. Well, no. Okay. One more time. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do a musical distinction. And so it's not. It's. That's the. Remember the one for Whipping Post? That's the bass line, man. Barry Oakley ripping that bass line out there. Come on, Boy, dude. People who listen, we really appreciate you. <laughs> Go running for the shelter of her mother's little helper. I almost forgot it. <laughs> A little helpful nudge there from the doctor. The Ben Jarowski Show starts now. Yeah. 
It is Wednesday, April 29th. And live from Ben's house, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's the return of Danny Brzezowski. What? No, I said you, you got her name right. Special yeah, candidate in the 16th district. And now your host, Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this COVID-19 mixed message Wednesday. <laughs> That's a long title. Well, you got to get that in now. I got this new title thing going on. The, huh? Yeah, huh? One more time, COVID-19 Mixed Message Wednesday. It's just be called Mixed Message Wednesday. No, 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 COVID-19 Mixed Message. All right. It's too long of a time. By the way, can I just say this? It's uh, This is no joke. Illinois sees record 144 COVID-19 deaths in a day, toll now at 2,125. So that's definitely not a mixed message. This is a very serious <laughs> pandemic, as we all know. And yet, everywhere I go, I see mixed messages about how serious it is. Uh, We talked about this um, uh, many times on the show. You were actually the one who sort of introduced uh, this this concept back in March, March 17th with the election. Uh, That was the one in which, uh, one hand, uh, Governor Pritzker said, get out there and vote. It's important that you vote. And the other hand, he said, well, you know, uh, stay at home. It's very important that you stay home. A very confusing mixed message uh, that I couldn't, I scratched my head, D, and went out and voted, but I, you know, I was wearing gloves, I was wearing a mask. <laughs> Wrapped myself up and was very scared. Uh, brought a little sanitizer uh, to ra- wash my hands down afterwards. Anyway, so. Well, if you got uh, sanitizer, you don't need the gloves. I went to, for the twofer. When I picked up that pen, I put the gloves on, man. I'm not playing around. I picked up that pen. I don't know, man. I picked up that little pen that you had. I said, got to put the gloves off. <laughs> then after I was done, wash the hands down. Because it could have been like a virus. Like, I don't know, snuck through the glove. I don't play around. Anyway, uh, then, of course, there's probably the most uh, famous one uh, in Chicago. Mixed message from uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble with all the Mayor Lori Lightfoot fans for reminding you. That's, of course, the famous uh, uh, haircut gate where... Uh, you got that, D? You got that little... Uh, no, no, you don't have it. Okay, I thought you were going to play something. Fool me. Later for my news. Sorry, man. Uh, it, uh, he faked me up with a little move toward the, uh, the, the, <laughs> uh, the board there. Anyway, so this is the one where uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot did the very funny PSA, public service announcement, where she talked about... This is not a time to get uh, your hair tended to. Stay at home. It doesn't matter what you look like. And then later, it turned out, she got a haircut, uh, leading me to quote Dennis's Uncle Eldon. Rules for thee, but not for me. He's a wise man, that <laughs> Uncle Eldon. Uh, Uncle Eldon, <laughs> huge influence in my life, ever since you told me about it. Now, little Denny. <laughs> rules for thee, not for me, little Denny. Uh but the last two days, man, the mixed messages are like on steroids. They're coming at me fast and furiously. And I've noticed something. It's sort of like people, when they violate what they know they're supposed to do, or maybe they don't even know they're supposed to do it, but then they're told about it, they always come up with like an explanation as though, you know, there are like rules that the virus is following. You know, like if you do certain things, even though they violate all the uh, warnings that the doctors are giving you, uh, the virus won't attack you. So let me give you an idea. I mean, there was the, um, we talked about this yesterday, the infamous party in Chicago on the west side. 
uh, I think it was in Galewood, and it was on the front page of my beloved Bright One yesterday. And uh, so there's this huge party over the weekend, and people are shoulder to shoulder. There's a picture of it. And the one guy in the middle of it is wearing a mask. <laughs> I know it's not funny, but the one dude in the middle, he's like so completely surrounded by, you know, other sweating people, drinking. Well, I got my mask on, so it won't get me. Anyway, interesting little interpretation of the rules. Uh, but uh, I don't want to pick on them because there are plenty of other violations and mixed messages going down uh, in New York. Uh, this story is just all over the uh, New York papers. Probably haven't seen it here in Chicago, but I, I get the New York Times. Um, the Orthodox Jewish community in, in uh, Brooklyn had a funeral for one of its uh, leaders who died of uh, COVID-19. Uh, and in the funeral, the, it spewed out in the streets, people shoulder to shoulder. The mayor, Mayor de Blasio, lost his mind. He, he showed up. He pulled a Lori Lightfoot. He just showed up. and Hey, break it up! <laughs> and uh, that was a war words between uh, the leaders of the community and, and Bill de Blasio. Uh, it, but, you know, it's funny. It's like, I, I, I'm like community of Williamsburg, Brooklyn. The person you're, whose life you're commemorating died of COVID-19. You know, it's like, this is the disease that killed him. I, I, you would think that, you know, they would add one and one and figure it out. But no, I guess the rule there, D, is that if you're celebrating the life of someone who died from COVID-19, then you're uh, impervious to the disease. Did so. you read the tweet from Bill de Blasio about it? Uh, I think I may. I, I get tweets mixed up with it. What was his tweet? He says here, my message to the Jewish community and all communities uh, is this simple. The time for warnings has passed. I have instructed the NYPD to proceed immediately to summons or even arrest those who gather in large groups. This is about stopping this disease and saving lives, period. Yeah. So he's trying to make take all mixed out of messages uh, on that one. But at the same time... <laughs> At the very same time that uh, he was sending out that tweet, making those messages, they had the Blue Angels flying over New York City. Wait, you have an update on that? No, no. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the Blue Angels flying over uh, New York and New Jersey and dozens of people, I don't know, maybe hundreds of people showed up. They came outside to look up and the Blue Angels. And I have to say something here, uh, confession time. You the, love the Blue Angels. No. Oh, not a fan of air shows. Okay, oh. all right. Just oh. gotta throw that out there. Even during uh, non-COVID times, I go the other way, and it and it's it's like the air show in Chicago was a big deal in August. Thousands and thousands. This is pre-COVID. You know, thousands and thousands of people flocked to the lakefront. Are you a fan of air shows? Yeah, they're pretty cool. You like them? Yeah, Are they're you one cool. of those people that go to the air. Uh, the oh, lake? I don't go to the lake and watch. I mean, when I was like. Six, I saw him like up close, like, oh, cool. Yeah, you outgrew it, huh? Yeah, yeah. About eight. It's cool when I look him in the sky, like, oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I hate him. I hate him. The whole house shakes. <laughs> I get nervous. I'm breaking into a sweat. I don't like air shows, but I was touched by a blue angel. What? That's a TV show reference. Oh. Touched by an angel? Yeah. CBS. Was it CBS? Yeah. Was that the one with Michael Landon? I think so, yeah. No, no, that was a uh, no. This was one was newer. One. This one was in the nineties. What, what was the land? Of I don't know. He, he, he was like, he went around doing good deeds for people. Anyway, I thought it was touched by an angel. No, uh, Michael what, Landon was. That was a different one. Different show. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so you know, even though I do not like uh, air shows myself, and I run away. The other, if you like them, God bless you. That's for all for you. But I don't know. 
having an air show in the middle of a pandemic, it just doesn't sound like a really good idea to me. I mean, it's sort of like, what are you guys thinking? That's just going to be what my friends of the legal persuasion would call an attractive nuisance. By the way, speaking of that, uh, I urge everyone after today's show to uh, download the interview with Jim Coogan, Ace Attorney Jim Coogan. We take apart Donald Trump's crimes. Great interview with Jim Coogan. Just thinking of a lawyer, just made me think of Jim Coogan in that interview. Highway to Heaven is what it was called, the Michael Landon show. Did you just think of that? I looked you? it up on the... Oh, okay. Oh, you're so quick. I didn't even see you do that. Highway to Heaven, yeah. It was just different than Touched by an Angel. Touched by an Angel, yeah. Touched by an Angel. I vaguely remember it wasn't that angel. great. I just remember having to watch it when I was a kid yeah, a lot. I vaguely like, remember yeah. Touched by an Angel. Anyway, so uh, I don't know what made them think that was a good idea to have the Blue Angels flying over. And they were doing it to uh, you know honor... Uh, the frontline workers, the frontline medical workers who are at the hospitals and clinics uh, trying to help people, dealing with people who have the disease, whose lives, they're, they're, they're threatening their own life by helping those people. So why, I, I guess their rationale is if you're having people standing shoulder to shoulder, uh, exposing themselves to the virus, the virus won't actually contaminate them if they're there to honor frontline workers. I think that's the rationale. The virus is like, oh, well, we're just not going to contaminate these people because we're honoring uh, frontline workers. So there's another mixed uh, message uh, right there. Let's see, what other mixed messages uh, were there? Oh, how could I forget uh, the mixed message uh, in Wisconsin this weekend where hundreds of protesters showed up uh, the steps of the uh, Capitol in Madison uh, uh, to rally against the uh, stay-at-home order of uh, Governor Edwards. Uh, and, uh, you know, I talked about Operation Gridlock in Michigan. They mo Most of those protesters stayed in their car, you know, not taking a chance getting this baby. But now, I guess the logic of the people in Wisconsin was, well, you know, nobody dropped over from Operation Gridlock. So guess this thing is all hyped up. So they showed up. A lot of them weren't wearing masks, weren't wearing masks shoulder to shoulder, you know. Uh, so definitely sending out a mixed message. I, I suppose their argument is that the virus uh, doesn't attack people who one are standing up for liberty, two wearing MAGA hats. Did you hear that? D MAGA hats protect you against the virus. Did you know that? Uh, and of course, uh, the number three most important singing uh, the. <laughs> Convoy song, because the virus loves that song. How's it go? Come on and join my convoy. Ain't it a beautiful set? There's the guitar day. And so if you sing that song, I guess apparently you're not going to get uh, the virus. Hey, a little behind the scenes here. Uh, Ben's been singing that song nonstop all week so far. No, no. Uh, yeah, two weeks. It started with Operation Gridlock. <laughs> just popped into my mind. That's the theme song. Because they were in their cars, remember? Anyway. I'm like, Ben, how you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling good. Come on, join that convoy. <laughs> like, go. Okay. Every day, Dennis walks Excellent. in the house. Hey, hey, Dave, man. Come on, enjoy my car. Ben, I'll see you later. All right, man. Go on and join that convoy. Convoy. Finally, there's this great picture, D. Check it out. In the old days, we'd show the camera, but of course, we have no camera here in the attic. And it uh, shows uh, Vice President Mike Pence at uh, Mayo uh, Clinic in Minnesota, and he's uh, visiting a patient who has a coronavirus. <laughs> Everybody in the there's one, two, three, 
four, five, six people on the picture, including Pence, or six people whose faces you can see. Actually, seventh. There's a seventh there. And six out of those seven have masks on. The doctors, the other officials, the patients, they all have masks on, except for Pence. He was wearing no mask. And his official explanation uh, is this. Uh, Pence explained his decision by stressing that he had been frequently tested for the virus. And since I don't have the coronavirus, I thought it'd be a good opportunity for me to be here to be able to speak to these researchers, these incredibly health, these incredible healthcare personnel, and look them in the eye and say thank you. Well, first of all, you could have looked them in the eye and said thank you if you were wearing a mask. Uh, the mask does not go over your eyes. Maybe, maybe Pence thought that the mask covered your eyes and then you couldn't see. But no, the mask does not cover the eyes, so you could have looked them uh, in the eyes. And this exposes, of course, the greatest mixed message of all. Uh, part of the reason that uh, Mike Pence can walk around without a mask is that he's tested on a regular basis. In fact, anybody who goes to the White House is tested. They will not let you in the White House uh, unless you take the test. And they're there to protect Mike Pence and mainly to protect Donald Trump. So there you go, the final mixed message of them all. Uh, when it comes to protecting the White House and Donald Trump, there's tests for everybody. But when it comes to the rest of the country, sorry, no tests. You're on your own. The biggest mixed message of them all. We got a great show today, everybody. Danny Brzezinski will be here, 16th Congressional District candidate. She's running up in what I call a red country, Trump country. 16th Congressional is Adam Kinzinger's seat. And uh, Danny does not mess around. She's a Democratic candidate, but she's out there. She's for uh, health care for all. Uh, she's for a Green New Deal. She's a progressive running in Trump country. She's got a lot of interesting things to say about the challenges uh, of running uh, against an incumbent Republican, a Trump-loving Republican uh, in the middle of this pandemic. So we're looking forward to talking to Danny. Uh, plenty of political talk ahead of us. But before we do, the man from Alton, the man we call Dr. Doobie. No mixed messages from him with the news. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, let's keep the mixed message uh, talk going here. Uh, our good friend Kyle is on the live stream chat. He says, mixed message. Mayor Lightfoot saying she needed more power so she could get more PPEs quickly. However, 33rd Ward Alderwoman Rodriguez says getting PPEs quickly isn't an issue. Hmm. Yeah, well, there's all, so many mixed messages coming out of the city of Chicago these mixed days. Me well, the, we were talking about de Blasio yeah. saying he'll uh, arrest people. Well, don't they say uh, that there's jails with uh, COVID-19? There's a mixed message. <laughs> Not a good idea to arrest people for violating uh, you know, your stay-at-home rule because you'll just subject them to... <laughs> the I don't know if where you're at's a high risk, <laughs> but I'm going to throw you in jail where there is a high risk. What? That'll teach you. What? You're really going to get the virus, and then when we let you out of jail, God. you're giving it to more people. Ugh. I'm getting tough. All right, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Yes, today Governor J.B. Pritzker will be giving his daily COVID-19 press briefing at 2.30 at the Thompson Center. Guys, we may be seeing a trend here in the state of Illinois, and that trend, of course, is suing the governor. Damn you, Darren Bailey. <laughs> So on Tuesday's program, we discussed the story of Darren Bailey. He's the Republican downstate Illinois rep who's challenging the governor's stay-at-home order, yes, by suing him. And by virtue of a ruling by Clay County Circuit Court Judge Michael McHaney, Bailey, and only Bailey, is now exempt from the stay-at-home order. 
And now he's hoping that others will follow his lead. Oh, see what I did there? You can do it too. <laughs> it's my Bailey impression. Have you ever heard Bailey? Eh, a little bit. Didn't really sound like him. Pritzker touched on the court ruling during Tuesday's press conference. On Monday, Pritzker was caught off guard, first hearing about the ruling from the reporters uh, during the press briefing, and the governor was obviously a little peeved uh, in his response on Monday. Tuesday, he was a little more collected and said that what Bailey is doing is nothing but a cheap political stunt. We have the audio. Shout out to NBC5 for the audio. Don't sue us. (laughs) I want to address the ruling that came out of the Clay County Circuit Court yesterday. As it stands, the judge's ruling is limited, applying only to one person, the state representative from the 109th District. For those unfamiliar, the 109th District happens to have among the lowest hospital bed availability and ventilators in the state, making it uniquely ill-equipped to respond to a surge in cases. The district is also home to the county experiencing Illinois' highest death rate per capita from COVID-19. This ruling only applies to one person because it was only ever about one person. This was a cheap political stunt designed so that the representative can see his name in headlines. And unfortunately, he has briefly been successful in that most callous of feats. As absurd as this charade is, is we, we are taking this matter very seriously. While the court's order is limited, the risk it poses is significant. By agreeing with the plaintiff in this initial ruling, the court set a dangerous precedent. Slowing the spread of this virus is critical to saving lives by ensuring our healthcare system has the resources to treat patients who get sick. And we will not stop this virus if, because of this ruling. That is Governor Pritzker yesterday. Uh, that was yesterday, correct? Yep. Yeah, he, uh, he was very measured. Yeah, he was trying to uh, contain his fury. By the way, sometimes headline, pretty funny, pretty clever. I know we're not supposed to laugh. Uh, that, well, I'm going to get into that later, the whole issue of laughter in the face of the virus. But judge and fury is the headline over Pritzker. Judge and sometimes. fury. Sometimes. Yeah, oh, of course. Chicago uh, pun times. All right, let's see. i got so many newspapers here. Let's see what the Tribune headline is. love those puns. Uh, Tribune doesn't even... Tribune doesn't even have it on the front page. Interesting, man. Sometimes the Tribune have really been different in terms of how they've been just covering the news lately. Uh, But anyway, Judge and Fury, of course, the pawn judge and jury, Judge and Fury, Pritzker's upset. And, uh, you know, I talked about this yesterday, and the more I study this case, uh, the more I I have to say, I'm all over the map on this one. It's a hell of a time to be alive. I tell you what, that's that's how I look at it. Uh, Wow, this is interesting. Yeah. Let's sit back and see what happens. Yeah, I know. It's exciting. It's more or less since exactly what we're doing. Well, let's see how this plays out because <laughs> yeah. uh, this one is fantastic. I got nothing going on. Let's see what happens. Yeah, we're stuck here in the attic looking at the brown line and uh, the leaf blower. By the way, some I think it was Danny. Someone s- suggested that we st- stage that leaf blower thing. It was kind of funny. What do you mean stage it? Like, you know, just to really ex- accentuate. You mean get the leaf blower yeah, up like here for an interview? Yeah, right. No. Just to, like, really dramatize how we're, you know, stuck in the attic. Uh, so it's like you were you had the leaf blower. So, no, I'm telling you, 
I know we've been doing a lot of pre-show prep well, lately, uh, but you know, we never figured that one Danny, out. you may be lucky. Maybe uh, old Jim the leaf blower. It's pretty wet outside. Yeah. Probably not, but maybe he'll start blowing leaves. Oh, I doubt it today, but yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, listen, I understand why uh, Pritzker's uh, really upset over this. Uh, it, um, I mean, there are lives at risk. If, uh, if you take away his right to uh, put the state on lockdown, if you take away his right to uh, issue uh, rate rules and regulations that uh, control where you can go and uh, how you interact with other people, then, yes, people will be exposed. There's the potential that people will be exposed to virus, even in communities and counties where the virus uh, has not had a heavy toll. You know, there's this notion, D, that it's somehow a Chicago virus. And because the numbers show that the, the greatest impact have been in either the city of Chicago or the area surrounding Chicago. We talked about this all the time. This is no, well, why should we worry about it? It's only a Chicago virus. As though, again, more mixed, as though the virus has this notion, oh, I'm only going to go to Chicago. I don't go to people outside of oh, I do love the pizza. <laughs> I do love the pizza. Uh, that's funny. I was just reminded there was an episode of Shit's Creek last night where they were going to go to Chicago and have uh, Chicago pizza. You remember that episode? Anyway, uh, so, you know, this it's, it is an absurd notion that the virus can't strike at communities where it hasn't already hit uh, hit hard. So, well, we don't have it. We don't need these rules. And the governor's saying, you know, we have these rules to protect you. So uh, in the event that uh, it does show up in your communities we're protecting you this is the kind of uh proactive action that perhaps if the government had taken way back when in january and february we wouldn't be in the situation where we're at now that's the most logical explanation but logic is out the window it's like well we i don't you know i don't see any i don't see any COVID. why do you have rules for us and apparently that uh you know that sentiment that a lot of people share uh, in downstate communities where there's uh, not a, a strong uh, evidence of the virus. On the other hand, I absolutely believe, I said this yesterday, that Darren Bailey has the right to challenge the governor's ruling. This is not an empire, and he is not the emperor. And uh, he, makes a ruling, he makes a ruling. It's within uh, Bailey's rights to challenge that ruling. The matter comes before the judge. The judge issues his ruling. And that's how our system works. You know, This I'm seeing a lot of evidence. It kind of unnerves the libertarian in me, like just we talked about it yesterday at length uh, with Dave Glowatz. Uh, I urge everybody to download, download that interview uh, about Lori Lightfoot. At both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Excellent, excellent. Excellent. Got to throw that part in there. Go download it. Go download it. You're on your own. Only, well, yeah, but only, yeah, I would assume that they've listened to this. Don't assume they, nothing, Ben. It's a valid point. Assume nothing. Uh, you're absolutely correct about that. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, Dave Glowitz and I talked about it at length yesterday uh, about uh, Lori Lightfoot convincing 26 or 29 members of the Chicago City Council to give her authority to uh, make on her own unilaterally without council approval uh, all kinds of COVID-19 related expenditures through the month of June. So I'm not sure about that. I don't know why she needs all that emergency authority. I don't know if that's giving her too much power. Uh, I, I think the we first of all probably have enough money in reserve right now to make payments without getting council approval or you know if you need council approval then you can get it i just there's a, there's a tendency to go over reach a little further than we have to 
uh, in this time. And so it's absolutely within Darren Bailey's right uh, to file that suit. And uh, so now Pritzker's lawyers are going to have to, the state's lawyers, that is, will have to go to court and explain you know, why they're uh, making these rules and regulations and prohibitions about gathering and, you know, and what's the logic behind it and how it's there to protect the health and safety of, of, of all the residents in the state. So, you know, I think, D, you're absolutely correct that this is sort of a matter we're just going to have to let it play itself out and see where it goes. I mean, we got nothing going on. Uh, so do you agree with J.B. Pritzker, Ben? Cheap political stunt? Uh, is it a cheap, is it a political stunt? You know, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, but it's such a negative thing, political stunt. Yeah, it gets some attention. You know, I mean, that's just such a standard response that people in power have when anybody challenges them. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm hesitant to say it's a political stunt. I mean, yeah. It's intended to get him attention. Yes, it's intended to rally support of people, uh, MAGA hat wearers who despise Governor Pritzker and uh, just do th think that government in general is overstepping its bounds. Uh, so yes, in that regard, it is a political stunt. But you know that, I don't know, it doesn't mean it, like I said, he's got the right to do it. And that's, you know, D, it's like I was saying yesterday. Uh, we were talking about a Ray Lopez, Alderman Ray Lowe, uh, this part of the interview with Dave Gloatz, where he moved to uh, have this uh, a vote of the city council. Uh, what was it? Chastising Lori Lightfoot because she said mean things about him. Remember that? Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, you know, Ray Lowe, I think he went too far. That's politics. One side is going to say mean, nasty things about the other side. I mean, you know, it's that's just how it goes. And so, you know, Bailey's going to file his suit and call Pritzker a tyrant, and tyrant, and uh, Pritzker's going to respond by saying it's a cheap political stunt. And if your tendency is to uh, be a Democrat, and you're going to be, yeah, it's a cheap political stunt. What a fool! What a bimbo! What a, you know what I'm saying? And if you're a MAGA hat wearer, you're going, he's a tyrant. You know, so uh, that's that's just how the game unfolds. And so, you know, yeah, I it is a stunt, but you know, it's his right to do it. So let's. It's not see. a cheap political stunt. Well, it's I mean, just a political it's stunt. Just a stunt. Cheap. Yeah, what's the cheap about it? <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing. Well, it costs money to go to court. It's not. I mean, it's, yeah, that's, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. Okay. All right. Now you're a billionaire, so maybe. Yeah, it's, maybe the Prince can hack on. This is nothing. It's a cheap political stunt. I don't. I know cheap sounds good. I'm trying. I'm breaking it down. Here I am, literally breaking. Well, is it cheap? What do you mean by cheap? You know what I mean. And is it? Yes, it's definitely political. Easy, I guess he's saying. Obviously, right? An it, easy political it, stunt. Like, uh, yeah, I guess it's, uh, yeah, you know, cheap shot. I get. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like the notion that it's nothing substantive about it. But you know, it is substantive. I mean, these are important issues. You're constitu How far can our governor go? And I point this out to all my Democratic friends out there who are really mad at me now for doing this, by the way. <laughs> but they were mad at Trump. Remember when Trump made his unilateral movement against immigration? Mm -hmm. Remember how uh, many activists ran to O'Hare to, to protest? Suits were filed. I mean, when you think the government has gone too far, when you think a chief executive officer has gone too far, this is one of your remedies. You get to go to court and ask for a judge to restrain that uh, chief executive officer, ask for a judge to say a line has been crossed. So I suppose it works both ways. Now, I'm hoping 
All right, here we go. Here's my my worldview. Right. I'm hoping that ultimately the courts rule in Pritzker's favor because I do believe that there are health considerations at play here uh, that really require government to step in and protect people at this time. And I wish we had done more of this back in February, by the way. All of us, not just Donald Trump. He's the obvious target, but... You know, our own local leaders weren't exactly at the front lines, D. Uh, you know, no, no. No, you know what I'm saying? No, they weren't. They weren't at the front. In fact, I give Cuomo credit. Andrew Cuomo in New York, he said this the other day. I don't know what, I've lost track of days. He said he uh, had not been blowing the bugle enough uh, about the, <laughs> well, you know, okay. Hey, get your head I'm out not, of the Not gun. that. There's got to be a better way to. You can't take him anywhere. <laughs> it wasn't because of that. But I'm just saying. Uh, but, stupid But anyway, phrase. no, but you know, I gather his point. It's a good one. I mean, I didn't see Andrew Cuomo back in January saying, hey, let's, let's really just stay in our homes until this thing passes. No, it was the opposite of what they were saying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they were going, go to restaurants. This is just something affecting China. So, I mean, it, it, nobody has handled this thing brilliantly. Okay? But some, since it's become a serious crisis, have handled it better than others. I think anybody objective. I think, even, like I say, even Republicans, when they're all alone, there's nobody around. Oh, yeah, man, Trump, what a bimbo. <laughs> Inject uh, Lysol. <laughs> even, but that's only when no one's around. When Dar you think Darren Bailey when he's in the sanctity of his own house, D, it's just Darren Bailey, and I don't know. What to, I don't know if Darren Bailey has a wife, or I don't know anything about Darren Bailey. But let's say Darren Bailey's with his friend Billy Bob. Do you think when they're alone, uh, window shut, oh. nobody there? Oh, oh yeah, all downstaters got a friend Billy Bob, huh? <laughs> I see what you're doing. Oh no, downstate joint went too far. Okay, uh, his good friend Rutherford. How about that? Is that better? Thank you. <laughs> Okay, he's good with his good friend, Rutherford. Anybody around? No. Oh, my God, Trump, what an idiot. Injecting Lysol? And then they, you know, smoke a joint. They are not smoking joints. Just kidding. I just, I took it too far. Uh, so, you know, so I would say some politicians have done a better job of being responsible than others. And it's, in my opinion, uh, J.B. Pritzker has been far more responsible than Donald Trump or Mike Pence uh, in this uh, matter. But that's still does not mean that a Republican is prohibited from challenging him. And, you know, and I was leading the charge challenge. Uh, when old, what was old boy's name before Pritzker? I, moment Billy Bob. No, no, no. The governor before Pritzker. Rauner. I put that name out of my head. I was all for all the Democrats on the front lines. Challenge Rauner. Don't let him implement his anti-union, uh, you know, rules and regulations. So... I don't know. Yeah, I understand why Pritzker calls it a cheap political stunt. But Darren Bailey has the right to file that suit. Wait, did you say Bruce Rauner? Yay for our teachers! Yay for our teachers! <laughs> By the way, do you have more on this story? Uh, yeah, well, political stunt or not, Bailey's plan may be working, Ben Jarofsky. Because today's news, an Illinois Republican state representative is following Darren Bailey's lead. Representative John Cabello is preparing a class action lawsuit challenging J.B. Pritzker's stay-at-home order. The class action lawsuit was filed Wednesday morning in Winnebago County. Ben, Winnebago County, you've been there, right? Yeah, Danny, uh, who's coming on a little while, the part of the 16th Congressional, uh, Winnebago is in the 16th Congressional. I have actually been to Winnebago County. 
Really? Uh, throw it. You know, I've been up here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I. It's not like I can name restaurants and stuff, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never been to. Uh, well, how do we decide we're pronouncing it? The where Darren Bailey's from? Winnebago. No, no, no. Darren Bailey's from Zenia. <laughs> yeah, Zenia. Is that how we decided oh, we're Z- going to Zenia? Is that how we decide? Zenia. No, it's Zenia. That's Zinia? it. Zenia. Gonna... Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've never been there. Oh, I think we just established that. Have you been there? Xenia? No. Cabela was represented by attorney Thomas G. DeVore, who also represents Darren Bailey. What a coincidence. DeVore's like, hey, I figured this baby out. (laughs) Whoa. Hey, listen, Uh, Bailey started it. Now you come on in there, too. I I wonder how DeVore is going to get paid. You think they're paying him for this? I mean, obviously, right? No, I think what he's probably doing, he gets, I don't know. I bet he gets his fees if he wins, but whatever. I don't know. Kyle on the live stream chat says, Winnebago County, that's my hometown area. There you go, Kyle. You're going to hear your uh, congressional candidate in a little while. Kyle, where, where's, uh, wh- where's the hot spot in, uh, in Winnebago County? I mean, to, to go eat and hang out. You know what I mean? Where are the popular places in Winnebago County? Let us know, and uh, we'll try to read those before we go to break. All right, now we have some quotes from Mr. Cabello about Governor J.B. Pritzker. It's maybe my favorite part of the story. All right, so let's hear from Cabello here. Uh, Cabello says about J.B. Pritzker, quote, I'm tired of him getting up there and saying whatever he wants to say without anybody challenging him. He's acting like a dictator, not a governor. Well, first of all, you are challenging him, okay? I'm just saying, you are challenging him. (laughs) I heard the governor's response to Representative Bailey's lawsuit that this is putting people's lives in danger. And he channels his inner kim fox he says i call bullshit cabello said he said that yes he said that this wait a- were you reading that in politico uh yes i can't remember where yeah. i think i got it from. first of all no i got it from the sun times oh and did they spell it out or no they, they did the b-u-l-l-s star star <laughs> t well how do we know that that's what it says it could be bull hmm bull suit do- bull suit he said bull suit <laughs> Uh, the Sun-Times protecting us from that word, D. All right? <laughs> Even during a pandemic. We can't say that. You can't say that word. <laughs> we're facing imminent death. as we, Life is ending as we know it, but we're protecting you to the very end. You will never see that word. Bull. Oh, what it, could it be? And I always, you know, the old days, a joke I used to call my good friend Milo. Milo grew up in Gary, so he knew all the swear words. Milo. Uh, they wrote B-U-L-S-H- Asterisk T, what could it be? Hmm, I would think. Oh, let me think about that, Ben. I grew up in Gary. All right, and uh, we have more uh, here. Yeah, he says, I call bullshit. He says, this lawsuit, once we file, is only going to see if it's constitutional or not for him to do what he's doing. Wait, time out. Hold on. That's where Cabello was losing me. He said it's the lawsuit is only going to see whether it's constitutional. Is that what he said? Is there any more part of the quote? He says this lawsuit, once we file, is only going to see if it's constitutional or not for him to do what he's doing. Okay. Duh, Cabello. No. Hello. <laughs> That's my imitation of the singer in that song. Um, if you get a judge or a group of judges to throw out uh, that order... If you get a judge or group of judges to say Pritzker does not have the right to enforce that order, then it throws out the order that people can gather in large groups to watch, I don't know, 
blue angel formations or come together for parties uh, on the west side or celebrate the life and death of a distinguished rabbi or whatever they want to gather for. So the whole point of your lawsuit is to get the judge to throw out this. You can't have it two ways. You can't say, we're just... You know, this is just an exercise in uh, legal philosophy. We're just, we just want to see which way this goes. And then, of course, if the judge rules in our favor, we're just going to go back to following uh, Pritzker's precepts. We're just going to say, all right, JB, you were right. Uh, I mean, we were right. You don't have the authority, but we're going to follow your authority. No, no, no. The purpose of this uh, is to get the, the, uh, the governor's bans and prohibitions thrown out, which would expose you to the virus so you can't have it two ways you want to just absolve yourself of any responsibility from the consequences of your little lawsuit that's what you want to do well uh-uh no 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 you can't do that if you get a judge to throw out these prohibitions you're responsible oh man cabello I think you're slick but no you're gonna be responsible you know you know, no it's not my fault uh-uh i was just doing a legal exercise all right, Ben. So will this be the biggest trend in downstate Illinois since that show Duck Dynasty <laughs> suing the governor? Uh, yeah, this is the new. But was Duck Dynasty? No. Oh, it was I, huge downstate. I know, but was it wasn't it, the characters were not from downstate Illinois. No, no, no. They were from Kentucky. Uh, and I don't think they were from Kentucky. Where are they from? I'll look it up. Oh. Boy, I didn't think I'd have to. <laughs> Believe it or not, I didn't have that information uh, pulled up. Oh, the pre-show prep. So, Ben, will this up. be a new trend in downstate Illinois? Yes. 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 It will be a new trend. And um, I've been noticing this. Uh, I did my own little deep dive research, D, before the show. I, you know, the things I do, my, the way my mind works, like one thing leads to another uh, into uh, all kinds of quirks about uh, the areas where these reps are from. Uh, and I think we have, I think, D, we've reached a stage uh, where we are really so divided politically in this country right now. Like, you can see it in uh, with this uh, pandemic. Now, part of the reason, and I'll, this is an obvious point that we're so d divided. Part of the reason why it's so easy for the Cabellos of the world and the uh, Baileys of the world uh, to bring in lawyers to uh, defend their rights, their liberties in the face of Pritzker's rules and regulations. Louisiana. Duck Dynasty takes place Thank in Louisiana. You. Wow. How did you know that? <laughs> I have oh. the internet, right? We've been doing this for like three years. I thought Frank you, sent man, you that. Man, how'd you do that? That was good, man. But you're so quiet about internet, it. Right so it's so stealth. It's like... Sh -sh 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 -sh. Yeah, uh, you're welcome. I'm not going, oh, let me look here. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's really quick. He's really good. He's so good. He's a millennial. Did I ever tell you that? He's a millennial. Anyway, uh, a part of the reason why uh, these uh, state reps feel so free uh, to file these lawsuits is because, obviously... Their communities are not have not hit been hit hard by uh, the virus by the pandemic. People aren't literally dying like crazy in their neck of the woods. So they're this is I guess why he calls it a cheap political stunt. There's no consequence for them, immediate consequence, since people aren't dying in great numbers from the virus in their communities. 
if things were to change, they may not be filing these lawsuits. So I guess that's what uh, Pritzker, you know, it took a while, but I finally figured it out. It did make sense to call it a cheap political stunt because there's no consequence uh, for them filing, no political consequence for them. Uh, it could change. So uh, if, uh, if, thing, if the um, part of the reason this is my point, part of the reason why we're at this divide is because the virus is only hitting hard, or that's, I should take only out of that sentence, is hitting hardest in the state of Illinois uh, at areas where Democrats are in control. So Republicans are free to pound their chest and say, I believe in liberty. But if they were hitting hard, if it was like, if it was, uh, where is it? Uh, Xenia? Is that how we decided we're pronouncing it? Xenia. Xenia? How do you, by the way, how do you know it's pronounced? It was Xenia? Johnny Joe. He used to live near there, and he, he knows was, how to pronounce it. He's, okay. I talked I, about it yesterday. Johnny Joe. Oh, excuse me. I don't remember everything. <laughs> uh, so part of the reason why uh, he, he's so free to pound his chest and, and, and uh, call for liberty is because, obviously, it's not hitting hard. But beyond that, D, I noticed something. This is where I did my deep dive. So I was taking a look at... Uh, the county where the judge, uh, Judge Michael McCaney, that is from Clay County. Uh, he's the one. Or, or, do you have any updates on him? Mm -hmm. I want to. Uh, okay, we did not do this on pre-show prep. Uh, but McCaney, I was taking a look. I was reading the uh, the Sun Times article. Very good article. I got to give uh, Tina Svandellis and John Seidel credit. They really did. Should have been on that list, Tina. Chicago Magazine's 50 Most Powerful Women. Oh, yeah. Should have been on that list, Tina. How many weeks ago was that? I'm done referencing. <laughs> I'm done referencing anything uh, beyond yesterday because you just don't remember. Well, no, I didn't remember yesterday. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just helping out our listeners a little bit. List? That was two weeks ago? I know we're in the attic when we did it, though. I remember that. Uh, but um, uh, they did a really good job, Tina Svandellis and John Seidel, of bringing out some of the interchanges in the, the court proceeding between the governor for uh, J.B. Pritzker, Kwame Raul's governor, the, the governor, uh, excuse me, the lawyer who's representing J.B. Pritzker's point of view, uh, and uh, the judge, McKinney. And McKinney was really challenging this lawyer, had him on the ropes, uh, some good stuff. He was asking him questions about uh, the inconsistencies of Pritzker's ruling. And uh, so the inconsistencies of saying that the COVID-19 is very dangerous uh, to people down in uh, Clay County. Uh, by the way, one more time, I do believe that these rules and regulations should be in place and these prohibitions should be in place because I do believe there's a health consequence for people in Clay County, even if the numbers uh, haven't reflected that yet. Again, it's like sounding the alarm in January, February uh, in the country as a whole, and we should have learned our lesson that looking the other way does not work out well because the virus doesn't look the other way. But here's what the judge said. In another instance, McKinney asked the lawyer a hypothetical situation in which a COVID-19 victim could have died in a car crash. Quote, with respect to these statistics you're throwing out here and all that, isn't it true that if I die in a car wreck and I happen to test positive for COVID-19, my cause of death for purposes of what the governor is doing is COVID-19? And the lawyer said he didn't know. And uh, McKinney's comment was in response to the lawyer saying there have been 42 cases of coronavirus in Jasper County, which neighbors Clay County. There have been no deaths in Clay County. Now, that's an interesting point, D. I think if someone dies in a car crash, they're going to say his death is related to the car crash. They're not going to say he died of COVID-19. That's like saying if someone had cancer and died in a car crash, saying, well, he died because of cancer. 
So I do not believe that uh, the the governor is going to say that someone who died in a car, car crash uh, who had COVID-19 is a victim of COVID-19. I think that's the judge stretching things just a little bit and showing his bias. Just saying. Uh, you know, I think that's the, again, Bailey has the right to file a suit, but I think the judge is trying to, just trying to be a little tricky, a little too tricky for his uh, own good. Uh, later on, the judge comes at him hard with, he comes at the lawyer hard with this one. The lawyer says, the orders aren't abroad given the situation. They're tailored to the COVID-19 situation, to which the judge responds, tailored to the situation? How in the world does me not being allowed to fish at Forbes Lake promote COVID-19, but panic buying at Walmart doesn't? That ain't tailored to nothing, the judge says. Don't you love it when judge say ain't to show, you know, this? Hell yeah. That's a downstate judge. If I ever heard one. <laughs> I don't know, every now and then judges in Cook County will go, that ain't nothing. You know what I mean? I'm Judge Billy Bob. Now, <laughs> that ain't nothing. Uh, judge Rutherford, you mean? Uh, so William Robert. I uh, So, you know, he has a point there that there are some, what would you curiosities about what is and isn't uh, pro, uh, allowed uh, with uh, in the age of the COVID-19. That's, isn't that the big point, D, that uh, like you can go get liquor? Remember that, that argument? But mm-hmm. you can't go to church. And I would say, well, you know, people in liquor stores, you can promote social distancing, whereas in church, if everybody's sitting next to each other in the pew, it's kind of hard. So maybe, you know, I, I could, you know, I mean, yeah, I can see why, but uh, yeah, the panic buying, it would be a classic mixed message. No one said this was easy, coming with logical rules and regulations to protect us, but uh, so nobody said it would be easy. So, you know, I could see the judge picking it apart. So that that was a good question I thought the judge asked, uh, as opposed to the other one, which I thought was a little biased and absurd. Uh, but the point I was going to make, he's from Clay County. Clay County is named for Henry Clay, who... Uh, once ran for president and uh, was secretary of state, big time politician in the 19th century. Uh, it went, Clay County went for Trump 79% uh, in the, uh, the last uh, 2016 presidential. But um, that has, that um, percentage of vote going to the Republicans has been steadily increasing. I took a look at the, the results and uh, the Democrats won it actually, I think in 1964, uh, with uh, Johnson over Goldwater, and ever since then it's been Republican, and it's it's growing over the years. The number of uh, people voting, the percentage of people voting Republican, uh, and I think this is reflects this larger divide that I was talking about, D, in the country, um, where more and more it's like the Democrats, even just let's talk about in Illinois, are concentrated, Cook County and to uh, the Collar counties, let's say, and city of Chicago. The rest of the state seems to be drifting, or so many big chunks of the rest of the state, I should say, are drifting more and more to Republican. And I don't see anybody uh, who has been particularly effective at stopping that that drift. Uh, that's that's the like the COVID nineteen is the scariest thing about this. But part of the reason it's uh, so frightening is that we there's just no. There's no unanimity uh, on part of people. They're at odds. And these political fights, these political ideologies are spewing out into things that should be health matters and health considerations. So uh, I, I noticed that, that that's actually probably as frightening uh, as the pandemic itself because it's harder for a country to make, what, logical 
decisions. It's harder for our leaders to make logical decisions to protect our health if people are just at each other's throats all the time. All right, we do have a response from the Pritzker PR team. Here's Pritzker spokeswoman Jordan Abadea in response to Cabello's lawsuit. Uh, Abadea said, uh, this callous disregard for science, reason, and the value of human life will be settled by the courts. The governor is focused on the statewide response to COVID-19, an effort that is not just legal, but is keeping people safe and saving lives. Callous disregard to reason and science. Is that what Jordan said? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I ultimately think the governor will prevail. Uh, uh, Shout out to Jim Coogan. He explained uh, yesterday's show, D, you remember this, where you said uh, it was the next panel it would take two judges to rule in favor of one side or the other, and they need to win over two judges, and it's a seven-person uh, panel. Remember that discussion yesterday? Uh, Jim Coogan explained that it's not the full panel of judges that uh, renders a decision in these cases. It's a section of it, so like three judges, so that's why they need two out of three. So thank you, Jim Coogan, for explaining that to us. Uh, ultimately, if it keeps getting challenged and appeal, it will go to the state Supreme Court, and I really doubt the state Supreme Court will rule against Pritzker in this matter. So we got a trend coming possibly here in Illinois suing the governor. Ben, who's the next Republican state lawmaker to sue the governor? My money's on Jeannie Ives. Who you got? Oh, Jeannie Ives is not a state rep anymore. Oh, well, she's going to do it anyway. (laughs) Who you got? Uh, uh, Yeah, he's going skill of corn. All right, moving on. Let's talk Chicago news. That's very good. Thank you for helping me out. I could, because I had a blank. I couldn't think of any Republican state reps. Habada, habada. And then you said school with Gordon. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Debbie, oh, yeah. getting your roots done is not essential. Your dog doesn't need to see its friends. You can work on your jump shot inside. <laughs> good times. <laughs> Oh, Mayor Lightfoot. Today, the mayor, as we speak, or maybe it just wrapped up. I don't know. It was scheduled for 1 p.m. She was in City Hall for a 1 p.m. briefing to announce a Chicago housing solidarity pledge to support residents. Uh, Mayor Lightfoot announced a program Tuesday backed by private donations to provide $5,000 grants to micro-businesses affected by the coronavirus. Uh, Lightfoot said, quote, this is going to mean life or death for some of these businesses. We want to push this money out as quickly as possible. We hope to get all of the money out the door by May 11th. For some of these businesses, if they don't get money now, they're not coming back it's really that simple uh your wife pam actually uh she came up with a clever name for this the Lori lightfoot loan (laughs) your thoughts on the Lori lightfoot loan well it's not helping me any because my wife as i was running up said doesn't help us uh yeah i i've been pretty open about this uh i understand what small businesses are going through uh, my wife uh, is a owns operates a two person beauty parlor here in the city of Chicago, and she's been shut for uh, well over a month. And nobody is helping her out. Nobody is helping us out. So it's a significant loss of revenue. On the other hand, you know there are health safety reasons, right, D? Uh, and so yeah. So um, we. By the way, have you gotten your Trump letter yet? Uh, no, I. Uh, you said it may be in the mail. I uh, need to check my mail. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, talk about cheap political stunts. Where's Darren Bailey when I need him to file a lawsuit about this? Hey, Bailey, where's old boy Cabello in Winnebago County? Hey, Cabello, how about this? 
Donald John Trump, president of the United States uh, and leader of the Republican Party, the same Republican Party that Darren Bailey and uh, John Cabello are members of, just thought I'd point that out, uh, has uh, directed the IRS to send out letters in official IRS envelopes to uh, recipients of the Trump checks. They're not really Trump checks. They're the the checks that uh, people receive to help them get through the hard times. $1,200 was the max you could get. It's money that we've earned. You know what I mean? We're just getting our money back, right? Trump checks. Um, what do you mean you're getting your money back? It's money that we've given them to the, ta- we've given our tax money to these people. They're giving our money, giving us our money back. Well, I would put it this way. It's, uh, they have shut down the economy. Here's the logic, uh, to protect you. And, uh, so part of the protection means you have to have money to buy food. So they're going to give you a portion of the money you've kicked in already. Uh, so yes, the money, ultimately it's tax dollars. Uh, that uh, you provided. Uh, so they're giving the money to you to so you can survive the protection they put in place to protect you, if that makes sense. Uh, anyway, so that's the logic of it. Uh, the United States, by the way, has not been as generous as other countries. But uh, so Donald Trump sent out, had the IRS sent out a letter saying, you know, hey, basically I'm a great guy. I sent you this money. You're welcome. And uh, so where's the lawsuit from Cabello talking about that, you know, how that's an infringement uh, using the IRS for political purposes. Come on, Cabello, get that lawsuit, get that class action lawsuit. Hey, Darren Bailey, let's get that class action lawsuit. Hey, Michael McHaney, Clay County judge. Boy, I'd love to see you use that great logic to pick apart those Trump lawyers. I guess, you know. Pritzker did have a point, Dean, when he said it was a cheap political stunt. I'm just saying he had a point, okay? <laughs> so we're back to now. It is a cheap political well, it stunt. Is a cheap, it always, you know, they had the right to do it. I'm not saying they don't have the right to do it. Just saying, it is kind of a cheap political all stunt. All right, before we take a break and talk to Danny, let's go to the live stream chat, see what all of you are saying here. Uh, you guys can do the same here. Uh, just go to the, if you're listening on YouTube, just go to the live stream chat, check it out. And also, hey, we have a phone number. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, I think we got some troll already so that's good i guess we're doing something right uh 708-658-4788 the number again 708-658-4788 leave us a voicemail on the ben jarofsky show phone number also you can reach us on facebook and twitter at benny j show b-e-n-n-y the letter j show okay over to the live stream chat drew drew's new to the live stream chat what's going on drew drew says ah boy ben can remember the details of a 1987 tiff deal but not a callback to something that happened this month (laughs) wait what what year tiff deal 1987 oh yeah very good point drew 1987 was the time the city of chicago imposed its first tip very good of all the years you picked that was a good one i wrote an article about it yeah 1980 yeah yeah hey there are some peculiarities to the way my brain works you are correct Drew. uh fred weighed in fred says uh xenia is a malt beverage drink from the 90s no fred that's zima zima is the drink you remember zima ben no of course not. yeah <laughs> it's not a tip related deal or from the 70s so you're lost on that one Okay, we have some uh, Win- uh, Winnebago County talk here. Uh, Kyle, remember Kyle was the one who said he grew up around Winnebago County. Uh, he says, uh, eat in Winnebago County. Apparently there's good stuff to eat, but he says here, uh, not happening in this day and age, though. Sadly, Winnebago County has been hit pretty hard economically for the past 15 years and has been struggling to recover. Oh, that's, 
Well, that's maybe you should elect a new state rep, Winnebago County. Yeah, there's a lot of places like that downstate where I grew up. Alton, Godfrey. I just remember being a kid, man. There was tons of stuff going on. Now it's uh, kind of desolate, it looks like. So kind of a another trend going on around Illinois. Uh, oh, KMA Barry says, I guess a Cracker Barrel is popular in Winnebago County. I'm sure. I'm sure it's pretty popular around there. And uh, we have here, oh, we Fred also weighed in. We know JB is not a perfect person. I uh, wonder where you got that from. Yeah. I am not a perfect person. <laughs> and we'll do one more here. Uh, Jim, Jim says, Bruce Rauner will be the next person to sue JB Pritzker. Yeah, very good. Not a state rep, but uh, point well taken. By the way, D, I just got... Um, this update, I want to uh, give a happy birthday to our, a good friend of the show, Beth. And uh, she is a, a good, a loyal listener to the show and uh, also sends me all sorts of tips, uh, emails me all kinds of tips about things I should know. She's a good leftist. And uh, so, Beth, happy birthday to you. Thanks for being such a loyal supporter of the show. And thank you for all those tips uh, that you've been sending me uh, down through oh, since we've had this show. Uh, ever since we uh, moved over to uh, the little studio at the Sun-Times, which I miss. And we will return there, D. But anyway, happy birthday, Beth. Uh, thanks for all your support. Happy birthday, Beth. <laughs> for you. Where'd you get that? That's pretty cool. Had it for a while. All right, we're going to take a break here now. Uh, please feel free to weigh in if you're listening live. Also, uh, make sure to check out all our bonus interviews. We have an a interview with Mr. Bike. David Glowatz available for download now. We talked to him last night. Uh, we kind of had a city, hall, uh, in a city hall meeting in review. Uh, it was the Zoom meeting. Very interesting. Uh, Dave has audio of the uh, city hall uh, council meeting. So go check it out. It's right now at chicago.suntimes.com chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download your favorite podcast don't go anywhere people the ben Jarofsky show will be right back and yes we are live let me make sure there's no train coming if there was i'd open the window there's no train coming all right we're live from ben's house don't go anywhere
Shout out to the Curls. Go check their music out. Download their songs. Find them online. Find Mick Fansler on Facebook. He's real funny. Danny, you there? I am, yep. Welcome to the show, Danny. Welcome back. This is your second time on our show. Remember the first time? I do indeed. We had the time of our lives. We had a lot of fun. It was back in the days when, uh, before the virus, before the pandemic, has uh, sent uh, me to my attic overlooking the alley, and we were at the Sun Times, and you showed up. And this was, uh, of course, when you were running uh, to win the uh, the primary, the Democratic uh, nomination to run against Adam Kinzinger in the 16th congressional district. So, Danny, before we go any further, uh, first of all, tell everybody how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> Yeah, I always, I always say with lots of practice is the best way. So it's Danny Drozowski. All right. And uh, you are running for Congress in the 16th Congressional District against Adam Kinzinger, who is the yep, incumbent right. Republican and loves Donald Trump uh, like life itself. Uh, so before we yeah, go in, he, uh, tell folks a little bit about the uh, 16th Congressional, where it is, and that kind of thing. Yeah, so the 16th is the big district that's just west of the Chicago suburbs and includes about half of Rockford, uh, so it runs from Winnebago County on uh, on the northern side of Illinois. Uh, it includes DeKalb. We have six college campuses in this district, including the campus of Northern Illinois University, a uh, chunk of southwestern Will County. Uh, it's all or parts of 14 counties. It's a big district. All right. And uh, it has, been, like I said, it's uh, went, uh, went for Trump. I said this earlier. It went for Trump. Uh, Kinsinger, I believe, is a three-time incumbent. Uh, maybe I'm losing track of another one. So it's been pretty solid yeah. Republican. Uh, talk about yourself and why you think you're right uh, for winning this district. Yeah, so I think there are a lot of reasons. Um, the, the big thing that I've been talking about a lot lately is I am, so I'm an Army brat. My dad was in the Army for 30 years, so my entire childhood and well into my adulthood. Um, he's a Gulf War veteran, and we grew up kind of all over the place. My family settled in LaSalle, LaSalle County, right in the middle of this big district in the late 90s when I was a young teenager. And for me, that experience of growing up in a military environment was super formative. And it did some of the obvious things that you would probably expect, like, you know, gave me my call to public service, right, which I'm sure is informed by my dad's military service and by the sacrifices I saw my mom make alongside him. Um, but it also instilled in me this really deep sense of the value of community. And that's been kind of a thread, the motivating force of my entire adult life and my career. So I worked in nonprofits for a while. I've served on a bunch of civic and philanthropic boards. They've been an activist and an organizer. When I moved home to LaSalle County after living in Chicago for just about a decade, I opened a small business that served as sort of a community center here in my hometown. And so that sense of community is something that has always been worth preserving and protecting, something that's always been worth fighting for for me. But in addition to that, you know, when I, when I made the decision to run for Congress, it was in part because you've probably heard stories about military families who subsist on food stamps. And I'm the eldest of three girls. That was our story. You know, things were occasionally really difficult for us, particularly when we didn't have access to military housing, which happens sometimes. So we lived in a trailer in Texas. When we first moved to Illinois, my dad was on recruiting duty. And so we were living in LaSalle, which, of course, is a civilian environment. Uh, there was no military housing. And so we had this rental property that we couldn't afford to heat. And so all five of us slept in the living room, all sort of huddled together long. And for me, you know, when I decided to run for Congress, it was because that those experiences aren't unique, right? The the experience of isn't all that out of the ordinary. And 
for a lot of people, it's not getting easier. Those things are getting harder. And so I'm running for Congress to give the people of the 16th and the people, you know, people all over the kind of fighting chance they deserve. You give them the kind of representation who's really going to make sure that they get it. One of the unique things about your uh, campaign, at least, uh, it goes against conventional wisdom uh, in terms of how to win in uh, areas uh, like the 16th Congressional. And, and let me explain a little bit. Yesterday, I was just having a conversation with a, a guest on the show who's basically a, a Democratic centrist. Uh, we're talking about, he was asking me what my biggest disappointment with Joe Biden is, as a Bernie supporter, uh, Danny, what my biggest disappointment Joe Biden is. Uh, and I would say in terms of policy issues, it's his uh, reluctance to openly embrace uh, Medicare for all or health care for all, a national health care plan, some kind of national health care plan that would guarantee uh, that people would have health insurance, even if we're seems like we're racing into a, a recession, if not a depression and people are losing their job. Uh, and he was saying, well, Ben, you know, that's just a little extreme uh, for many Americans to take. And it's OK for you living in Chicago to have that opinion. But uh, many Americans, that's just too extreme. And yet here you are, Danny, uh, you're running on a platform that calls uh, for um, a Medicare for all or a national health care plan. Uh, and so instead of running away from progressive values, you're leaning into them. Talk about this. Yeah, so I love talking about a progressive agenda in a district like this one that's still kind of mixed. But I want to I want to first address that idea that Medicare for all is extreme, that it's just it's too much, and that you know, in a place like Chicago, sure you can be on board with that, but in a place like this, maybe less so. You know, in my experience, it's patently untrue. In fact, my my anecdotally, as I talk to voters, as I talk to constituents of this district, and as I talk to people all across the country. Most people are in agreement that our end game should be universal health care. And from my perspective, and I can be a little bit of an idealist, which I actually think is, you know, is a, is a benefit. Um, if we're all on the same page about what our end goals should be, then we should all be working to get there. We shouldn't be working to achieve some interim solution and then reevaluate, uh, which is part of the reason that this campaign is for Medicare for all, which you know, is sort of a philosophical reason. The more practical things that I think are really critical when I'm talking to people in this district are that, number one, it's going to be either the same cost or less expensive for people in my district. Number two, is we're anticipating that we're preserving choice, right? So most people, when we talk about health care and they say, well, I'm satisfied with my, with my care, with my insurance plan, what they're actually talking about is their relationship with their physician, which there's no reason to believe that that's going to go away. And in fact, you're going to have more choice when it comes to physicians because everyone becomes in network. Um, what I get really excited about, and I think what has gotten us a lot of momentum on this campaign, is exactly what you were talking about. The idea that conventionalism suggests in a district like this one that went to President Trump in 2016, where we've got a Republican incumbent who's been in office for almost 10 years, uh, that you know, you've got to moderate your message, that you've got to to the center, it would be really difficult for me to pretend that I'm a centrist. I think, you know, people sort of look at me and read progressive, you smell it on me. Uh, and it would be, it, it would just be inauthentic for me to pretend otherwise. And also, I'm, I'm here to fight for the ideals that I really believe in, the things that I really think are going to work on behalf of the people of this district. And for me, that looks like progressivism. Um, and so there are a handful of things that I think are really promising in this district how we know that progressivism is, uh, is taking hold, how we know there's an appetite for a candidate who looks like me and who talks about, you know, policies the same way I do. 
One is that this district is a district that J.D. Pritzker lost by less than a point in 2018, which was an off year. You know, we've got some um, issues-based polling data out here that suggest that 54% of the people in this district prefer a carbon tax, which you probably know is a pretty aggressively progressive measure to address climate change. It's something that I've been advocating for for a long time because I think it's, it's really important for us to hold corporations in particular accountable for their emissions. Um, and the other thing is the energy around this campaign. So when I'm talking to voters, I sort of come to think of it, and this is kind of a, I guess, a, a marketing, a framing device in my head. I come to think of it as practical progressivism, because what I think has happened is we've gotten so far away from, it, you know, talking about what progressive policies actually mean, and we've gotten so hung up on these labels that people have forgotten that what we're actually doing is creating a set of bold solutions to their very real, very tangible, practical problems. And so when we talk about running on a progressive agenda, what we're talking about is how we address things like, you know, income inequality by talking about health care, access to education, child care. These are really practical, tangible things that most voters, when you kind of break it down, it, there's no reason for them to say no to, right? It, it, of course they're on board with these things because these, these policies are, like I said, really practical solutions to the everyday problems they face all the time. Uh, and uh, in addition, you're, uh, let's talk about another progressive uh, plank in your platform, Green New Deal. You're not running away from that either. Yeah, no, there's really no reason to. So in a district like this, like I said, we're, the district, the voters here are pro-carbon tax, which gives us kind of a, a sort of a benchmark. But the other thing, you know, when I'm talking about Green New Deal, what we're typically talking about is dovetailing our economic and our environmental policies. I think in a place like this where, you know, manufacturing has always been kind of a backbone of our economy, there's an opportunity for us to start talking about clean energy jobs and how we create an economic development structure that is sustainable, that is designed for the long term, that creates these good jobs for the working class. And there's so much possibility in a district like this one that gets created when you start talking about you know, when you start talking about transitioning to a clean energy economy, it's really exciting stuff. And, you know, this is a place where agriculture is still in the top five, you know, industries of our local economy. I think, you know, there's a there's a narrative out there that farmers have been resistant to have a conversation about climate change. Totally untrue. Nobody has felt the effects of climate change the way farmers have. They've been feeling it and, in fact, you know, sort of planning their lives, their harvest, their livelihoods. Um, according to, you know, to what they anticipate climate change to look like for years and years. And so I think, you know, in this district in particular, we were hit really, really hard by flooding last growing season. And it's put our, you know, our agriculture voters, our ag voters in a position where they're really thinking, I think, very carefully about, you know, whether they can afford to vote for, you know, a president or a congressional representative who isn't going to be addressing, you know, this, this, huge crisis right in, in climate change that has been affecting their lives for a really long time yeah and the and the additional point that i always make is that they're going to call you a radical extremist regardless of what your positions are so you, oh, right, should, right. you shouldn't run away from what you believe in because you're worried about what republicans are going to say about you is uh yeah. yeah you know the very first thing um you know kinsinger came out i guess swinging at the very start of our campaign, when he put out a fundraising email that um, said, you know, Danny is dangerous and 
she's a radical, she's a socialist, and she's the next member of the squad. And I, you know, I, I have to imagine that that's, you know, kind of all, you know, that's all they got. It's not only what they got against you. Uh, I'm just going to point this one out. Democratic voters throughout the country uh, voted for Joe Biden, largely uh, along the lines to be their nominee because that he's the most electable. He's the most centrist. He's the most moderate. And uh, he's the one who could reach swing voters. Every day I get <laughs> dozens of emails from the Republicans that c- calling Joe Biden, you know, a, uh, a radical leftist and all but calling him a socialist. So it's, it's just, it's, it's meaningless. The, uh, the Republic, that's all they've got. You're absolutely correct, Danny. That's all the Republicans have at this moment. Uh, and they're just going to use it. So you might as well stand up for what uh, you believe in. Uh, you, you mentioned, uh, Kinzinger sending out that, um, that attack on you. What's it like running uh, for Congress, uh, in the middle of a pandemic when you're uh, stuck at home and when you're limited in the amount of voter outreach uh, that you can do? Yeah, so it's wild. You know, if you had told me six months ago that we would be campaigning almost entirely from isolation and, you know, that I would be cut off from from voters, you know, in face-to-face, that we wouldn't have any events, I, I, I would have been flabbergasted. I also would have expected that it would have been incredibly difficult. And that's not to say that it's not, but our campaign in particular, I think, um, has found a, a lot of silver lining. So I get so excited when I think about how much energy is behind this team, but I'll put some numbers on it for you. So we have 22 interns and this just partly happens because it's a big district and a lot of college students are home. And a lot of those college students are looking around and they are identifying some problems in their community. And they have very correctly identified that the Trump administration has so poorly handled the pandemic. They recognize that change is needed and that it's political change and that it's change in our legislature that's going to make the kind of difference that, you know, that their communities really need. And so we have just this, well, it's not even a small army anymore. It is a significantly sized army of interns and volunteers. I popped onto a call just this morning with our volunteer team to do regular check-ins and they were talking about some stories that, you know, as they are chatting with, um, with voters by phone. And my team is on track to talk to 10,000 voters this month, which is a staggering number and just speaks to the, the amount of work that's going into this campaign. So it's, you know, it's not face-to-face voter contact, but it's still direct voter contact. It's happening by phone. It's happening digitally. We've got this digital meet and greet that we're doing on Monday, which I can talk more about a little bit later. Um, but it's, it, you know, we're having to get really creative in our strategizing, but for us, there, there's been a silver lining here for sure because the, you know, the number of booths on the metaphoric ground that that we have has just grown by a, just by a staggering rate. All right, we'll talk about that digital meet and greet in a little bit, uh, but I do want to ask you a question about attitudes sure. that uh, constituents in your uh, area have uh, toward Pritzker and the, the quote unquote resistance that's erupting uh, in the state uh, to uh, Pritzker's. Prohib- uh, prohibitions and uh, stay-at-home rule orders and stuff like that. Uh, one of the state reps uh, who's filed suit, or I don't know if he's literally filed suit yet, he's he, he talking about is from Winnebago County, which is in your district, and that would be John Cabello. Uh, how representative 
uh, in your humble opinion, is a Cabello of, of constituents in the 16th Congressional uh, toward uh, Pritzker's uh, rules? Yeah, so it's an interesting question. So, you know, I, so I'm home and I am lucky to live in a household where I, you know, much of my work can be done from home without a great deal of interruption. But like I said, no events and we're not doing that face-to-face voter contact. But, you know, I'm still making phone calls for many, many hours every single day. My husband is working from home. I've got two little kids. They're, you know, doing all of their learning remotely. And we've been really lucky that for us, Near total isolation has been, I mean, relatively easy, actually. And this despite my extreme extroverted tendencies. Uh, my sister is an essential healthcare worker, and so she's delivering our groceries once a week. And so I'll tell you the way I feel about it, which I think helps me get some perspective into the way others are thinking about it. You know, I am pretty informed, and I look at the numbers every single day, and we're at a million cases nationwide, which is an astronomical number that is really hard to get your head around, right? It's hard to get sort of an emotional connection to that, to that number. And so we look at the mortality rate in the state of Illinois and, you know, Cabello announced that he was going to, um, that he was going to file this lawsuit on the same day that we had in the state of Illinois, the largest death rate in a single day. It's just, it's, it's an incredibly disrespectful move among so many other things. And for me, I think what's happening is, you know, all of, all of these, the mortality rate and these staggering numbers, we're all at home, right? And so, you you know, you hear this safe at home, not stuck at home. And I really feel like that. I really feel safe. I feel safe in my home. And I've been really, really lucky. But I think that one of the consequences of that is that it feels a little bit distant. The crisis feels a little bit, you know, it feels like we are keeping it at arm's length. And I think that for some people, it's, very, very easy for that to make us complacent, right? It's very easy for that sense of safety to turn into a sense of complacency. And that's what I'm concerned is happening with, you know, we've got um, certainly Cabello up in Winnebago County, who's Rockford and Love Park and McKesney Park is where he's from. We have a, um, in Peru, there was a city council member who did the same thing. And it's, it's premature. It, it is premature to open up the economy in any sort of very significant way right now. I was reading yesterday a CBS News poll that suggested that 70% of Americans think it's more important for us to stay home in some degree of isolation over reopening the economy. And, and so I think that people recognize, you know, that this crisis requires us all to make sacrifices. And it's really disappointing that we have politicians who are, you know, who are using this as an opportunity, you know, it's a, it's a political stunt. Um, and it's disappointing. And I think not reflective at all of the, you know, of the actual, you know, members of our communities who are really trying very hard to abide by rules that I think are incredibly difficult for a lot of families. There's a sentiment I hear expressed by uh, some politicians outside of Chicago, and that uh, councilman from Peru would be one of them, that somehow or other the coronavirus is only going to affect people in and around Chicago, Uh, that it's a Chicago virus. And I think... Uh, Danny, when I see the rhetoric coming out of uh, places like Winnebago County or from downstate, there's this notion that this is just another uh, attempt to exploit the anti-Chicago sentiment that exists uh, to some degree or another in the state. 
uh, as though the virus is just like only interested in attacking people from Chicago. A very bizarre point of view they're expressing that because the virus is not as prevalent, let's say, in Winnebago County as it is in Chicago, people in Winnebago County don't have to worry about it. Very odd message, in my humble opinion, to be sending out. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Not just odd, but also really dangerous and damaging. So of the top five counties, this data may be outdated because it came from last week, um, of the top five counties, you know, top five mortality rates in the state of Illinois, two of them are downstate camps, were last week downstate counties. Um, I think, it, you know, the idea that a virus somehow picks and chooses its victims and is particularly hell-bent on attacking victims who, you know, live in urban environments is just it's a ridiculous notion. Um, I think, you know, when we talk about the availability of PPE, when we talk about the availability of ventilators and ICU beds, we know that rural hospital closures have been a, a very real issue for a long time. And this, you know, coronavirus pandemic has certainly pointed out some of the glaring disparities and shortcomings of our healthcare system. But this is one of those places where not acknowledging that becomes really, really dangerous. Because the fact of the matter is that we have fewer ICU, ICU beds to start with in places like LaSalle County, right? Mm-hmm. We just don't have the kind of access that the city of Chicago is going to have, for example, when the Cormac place is, you know, is chock full of, of beds. And so I think we're doing a real disservice to our neighbors by, you know, playing this off as if it's something that couldn't happen here. We know very well that that's not true. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely it's not true. And it could I don't want it to happen anywhere. I really do want this virus to be uh, to be eradicated. We get back to our lives. Uh, but you're absolutely correct. They're promoting this notion that because it hasn't happened yet, it will never happen. So therefore, throw out all caution. Uh, it's a very it is a, right. a dangerous, better word uh, than odd, although it's also politically odd. Uh, as well. All right. Um, let us, you said you're going to have a digital meet and greet. Uh, tell folks when and where and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it is Monday, May 4th from 6 to 8 p.m. It'll be via Zoom. I'm really excited about this particular event, um, not the least of all because I am starving for human interaction and love those Zoom things where I can see other people's faces. Um, but we have a, this, this super great slate of speakers. Um, so I mentioned that I've been an activist and an organizer, and there are a handful of people whom I just respect and admire so much. So one of them is Lenny Hoppenworth, and she's the president of Indivisible Illinois. Indivisible, you probably know, is one of those sort of resistance organizations that sprang up um, after the election of President Trump in an effort to, you know, restore democracy and, and fight corruption. I I love the work of this organization. Lenny is a powerhouse. She's, just, she's a dynamic speaker. She's been a friend for a long time. We used to just run into each other at every activist event in the state of Illinois. Um, and so she's speaking. I'm really excited about it. Um, we have Laura Green Welch, who is the president of Illinois National Organization for Women. I'm thrilled to have their endorsement. I am an unabashed feminist and always have been. Um, I think, you know, I, I wrote a little bit um, on our Facebook page this week about, you know, sort of finding my power as a woman, not in spite of being a woman, but because I'm a woman. And I just so appreciate and value so deeply the work of all of these women activists who have come before me, who have made it possible 
for me to speak out about the things that I think are really important for me to run for Congress, for me to just be the kind of woman and feminist that I want to be. So I'm excited about Laura speaking. Uh, we have Paul Kendrick, who's the executive director of Rust Belt Rising. Paul is a super energetic, really informative speaker. So Rust Belt is this cool organization that does polling and messaging throughout, of course, the Rust Belt. Um, and he comes, um, he comes to his presentations from this very sort of data-oriented, very educated perspective that I think is super helpful when we think about something like Medicare for All and how we talk about it um, and how, you know, we focus on these very practical aspects of these progressive ideals, how we make, how we communicate successfully to people in the Rust Belt. Um, and then our fourth speaker is Jennifer Welch, who is the CEO and president of Planned Parenthood Illinois. Um, and, you know, she and I actually met about a year ago. Um, and it was a it was sort of an embarrassing story now because we were at this very big event in Springfield and there were I had literally thousands of people there. And I was looking for a seat. There was one chair and I, you know, sort of like elbowed people, you know, kind of like got my way over to this seat next to this very chic woman. And I sat down and we kind of, you know, were chatting in between speakers and she was so lovely and so gracious. And she was, you know, she has this like this presence that is, it, it has an impact for sure. And I was so impressed by her. And, and I said, you know, what do you do? And she said, well, I work for Planned Parenthood. And I said, oh, that's great. I, you know, I love Planned Parenthood. I so appreciate your mission and the work that Planned Parenthood does. And we talked a little bit about some of the practical things that were affecting Planned Parenthood at the time. But uh, she gave me her card as she was leaving. And I kind of stuck it in my pocket and looked at it later and was just, you know, sort of embarrassed because, of course, she's the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood Illinois. And that's just that she happens to work at, you know, my local Planned Parenthood clinic. Um, so we have this amazing slate of speakers on, on Monday night, like I said, Monday, May 4th, 6 to 8. You can check out our Facebook page, um, which is easy to find, or the information and tickets are available on our website, dannyforillinois.com. Uh, you mentioned Lenny Hoppenworth. Lenny is a good friend of the show, and uh, she works at The Reader with me, and she comes on every other week with someone from in uh, Indivisible. We just had Jill Weinbanks on, so we all know Lenny uh, Hoppenworth on our show. Yeah. Uh, Danny, one more time, uh, spell your last name. If folks want to uh, find the information about you, uh, get uh, get more, uh, go to your Facebook site and all that good stuff. So spell your last name and give them all the Facebook information they need. Yeah, of course. So first name is D-A-N-I. We made that easy enough. And then the last name is B as in boy, R, Z as in zebra, O, Z as in zebra, O, W, S as in Sam, K-I. The website is really easy. It's just dannyforillinois.com. Keeping it easy. Thanks so much, Danny. Uh, best of luck to you. We'll have you on again real soon, all right? I will look forward to it. Thanks so much, Ben. Stay safe. That's uh, Danny B. I'm just going to call her Danny B. Yeah, uh, I think that's... Danny B. Yeah. And uh, a progressive running in Trump country. And uh, I, I love it, man. I, I've been basically pushing this notion for a long time. I disagree with the prevailing wisdom in the Democratic Party that the way to win in Trump country is to have candidates uh, go right. I just I have not seen evidence that that works. And uh, furthermore, it just dilutes the message of the Democratic Party. I know there are some candidates in purple districts. I understand this, uh, you know, who really have to uh, pick and choose which issues they can uh, champion. So for instance, oh, I don't know. I'm just thinking of Bernie Sanders out in Vermont, 
uh, she, showing support uh, for Second Amend- Amendment advocates down through the years. Hey, we haven't heard your Bernie Sanders impression in a while. How, how's that been uh, going? Twenty-seven dollars. That's a little better. Uh, yeah. That's a little better. <laughs> Uh, I, I love you, D. Uh, oh, D. Bill Clinton. Doctor Doobie. Bill Clinton loves me. I'm uh, scared. I, I love you. Uh, anyway, so uh, really, I, I love that uh, uh, Danny is uh, unabashed progressive, and she's running in a, a county that, or excuse me, in a district that went for Trump. So, best of luck to you, Danny B. Danny, uh, uh, doing a great job. All right, D. Speaking what? of D's, that's the end of the show for today. Uh, I want to thank Danny for coming on, and I want to thank you. Yes, the man, the myth, the legend. We have to, to I want to say this other thing, that in about an hour, I cannot wait, I'm going to get to do another one of my Bulls interviews uh, with Steve James, Hoop Dreams fame. We're going to be breaking down the last dance. So, yeah, you know, a little Bulls talk out there. I mean, it's only the most popular show in America right now, at least in sports related maybe the most popular show i don't know tiger uh the the tiger show is not the, the yeah, one it's falling off no one's talking about tiger king anymore. yeah so but uh, everybody's talking about the last dance so i'm looking forward to doing that interview with steve james it's going to be tonight everybody's we're going to drop that tonight seven o'clock both chicago sun times and chicago reader website so if you're on the live stream right now we're not live streaming it you're gonna have to download that all right so we would really encourage you to go do that subscribe to the ben Jarofsky show tell your friends and uh, go check out our bonus interviews as well. Uh, we're kind of doing things differently here up in the attic. Oh, the brown line's coming by. Go. Let's rip this window open real quick. Sugar things are different these days, like this. Whoa. So we're shortening the shows. You know what I mean? And, you know, you guys heard that at the beginning of the live stream. It gets a little stressful when we're trying to call people, and sometimes they don't answer. So, yeah. What we're doing is we're shortening the shows. Make sure. But we're still doing the shows. We're still giving you the extra content. You just have to go find it. All right? Chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Ben, let me uh, refresh Chicago Sun-Times before we get out of here to see if there's anything we need to discuss. I'm looking at it here. Um, Oh, did you hear about Raja Krishnamurthy? Oh, what happened? No. Well, let's read it. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. And Lynn Sweet, she was on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The first week, I Yeah, first week. Yeah, our first telephone interview ever. <laughs> Back then, remember how, oh, no, we're not doing telephone interviews anymore. <laughs> Boy, those days have changed, huh, Oh, they? yeah, they sure have. Yeah. All right, it says here, uh, Representative Raja Krishnamurthy, chairman of a House panel investigating whether COVID-19 antibody tests work. Uh, he accused the FDA on Tuesday of stonewalling and developing information about antibody test kits that went on the market before the FDA validated their claims. There's enormous interest in developing antibody tests to see if people had COVID-19, even if they did not show symptoms. These antibody or serology tests are not used to diagnose if a person has the infection. Antibody blood tests could determine if a person had and recovered from COVID-19. Scientists have suggested that people with COVID-19 antibodies are immune from the disease. What do you think about old uh, Raj? Well, for, some might say it was a political stunt, but I don't think so. Uh, and, uh, Listen, the more we know about this this disease, the better. So keep pushing. Uh, and, you know, there's so many, like, I've not heard a definitive uh, a definitive statement. I don't know if uh, the doctors agree on whether if you had it, 
can you still get it? You know what I'm saying, D? I've, I've heard both sides of that one. It's it's kind of scary, uh, the notion. We don't even know that basic fundamental. So keep pushing, Raj. That's, that's what I say, huh, D? Say that. How do you say his last name? Raja. <laughs> That was really good. Thank you. Uh, it was born at night, but it wasn't last night. <laughs> Krishnamurthy. Krishnamurthy. Oh, look at you that. knowing stuff. Okay. Did I tell you I went to radio school? Yes. <laughs> All right. And I think that's about it, guys. We're going to wrap it up here. Like we said, go check out our uh, content online, both Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader websites, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ben, how's the Instagram account going? Oh, my God. Uh, booming. I, I posted a photo of myself with my dear friend Cap. You don't say. Uh, and uh, yes, it really took off. So Go check out that picture of Ben and his dear friend Cap. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody what you think about it. And uh, okay, we're done. All right, very good. And uh, thank you very much, Dr. D. Uh, and as everyone knows, including uh, Raja, Congressman Krishnamurthy will oh, tell you. Oh, you do know how to say it. <laughs> I said, I may have been born at night, but I wasn't born last night. The man's from Alton, Illinois, and down home in Alton. They call me Dennis. They call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take another petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. I'm not a doctor. That's correct. Debbie, getting your roots done is not essential. Your dog doesn't need to see its friends. You can work on your jump shot inside.